on a mission to help golfers from all over the world achieve their goals by understanding what it actually takes to play their best golf. We're talking with leading instructors, researchers, and players themselves to find what is actually working. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today we have on Michael Hebron. Michael is a legend in the golf instruction industry. He's been uh, one of the top golf instructors for years. And one of the things that he is most passionate about talking about is, is how we learn, how we practice, and, and how we develop skills. Uh, and he's really been trying to push that conversation forward with his uh, with books and his talks and just everything he shares is kind of around that. I had him on the podcast in the past. was really excited to sit down with him again and talk about it because, I, I mean, it's a it's a topic that I'm passionate about and I'm passionate about it because I see it as such an issue because I've been there when you feel that that feeling like you're lost like you don't really know what to do to get better where you head to the range and you you know try to improve you try to hit balls or whatever it might be and you just feel frustrated you don't have a plan you don't know really what to do and you feel like there's something out there that better players are doing so they just get better faster um, it's been a, a kind of a lifelong frustration of mine and something that I've been super passionate about pursuing and learning about and sharing as much as I can. That's why it's always fun to sit down with someone like Michael and talk about his experiences, his research and, and what he's learned over the years. So I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. If you want to dive deeper, I've kind of shared all of my um, my knowledge that I picked up, what's most important, kind of in a 14-day little series, little challenge called Practice Secrets that you can go through. It's over on our website, golfsciencelive.com. You can see it right on the homepage there. But if you kind of want to see everything distilled down, go check that out. Uh, I was really excited to, to release that last year. I think it has a lot of benefit for a lot of people. A few hundred folks have already gone through it. Um, I would love for you to as well. All right. Let's dive into today's conversation with Michael Hebron. This episode is sponsored by Whoop. If you don't know what Whoop is, it is a fitness tracker. You've probably seen it on the wrist of guys like Rory or Justin Thomas, Tiger, Scott Stallings, and they're using it to track a few different metrics. One is strain, the other is recovery and sleep. And from what I've seen, what I've heard most people talk about, recovery and sleep as being these metrics that they're really enjoying diving into. Recovery is really simply how well you're ready to perform the next day. The more that you're recovered, the better you can perform at your peak. Uh, it's a strat, It's a stat that is worth tracking and I've found a lot of value personally and from what I've heard other pros talking about with me of how they're using it. Um, Whoop is a sponsor of the podcast and has given us an awesome discount code. You can use GSL to get a discount when you pick up your whoop band and we also have a whoop team which is awesome so everybody in the golf science lab community who's picked up a band we can kind of see what everyone's doing you can make this into a game and try to get to your best when it comes to sleep and recovery and what you're doing with strain so uh, you can head over to golfsciencelab.com whoop and there's a code that you can uh, enter in and join our team it'd be really fun to get everyone who's picked up a whoop band involved on that so make sure to check that out and whoop.com uh, code gsl for a discount Michael, it's good to be back. It has, uh, it's been a little while since we've chatted. It has. And um, I, first of all, I uh, probably just want to say thank you because you're 
one of the first people to introduce this whole idea of learning and practice, and you're one of the people that have been championing that for for a long, long time. And so you you kind of introduced that topic and piqued my curiosity and sent me down all the rabbit trails that I've gone down since then. So thank you. The way it happened for me is I uh, was supposed to be this mucky-muck teacher or golf instructor, and some of the students I was spending time with, I wasn't pleased with the pace of progress. I was pretty comfortable with the information I was sharing. And what I realized was, uh, my awe moment was, I didn't know anything about learning. So the old saying, it's not what you say, it's how you say it, is really profound. And whether it's a parent or an employer or a coach, what they share with people is probably more powerful than the actual information. Uh, anything, uh, anything a coach is saying is available on the internet, so it's not. And the other, other factor is, you know, we work with, uh, we work with thousands of people, and maybe uh, a couple excel. So it's always the student. It's not necessarily the uh, coach, and then. Um, we're here at the uh, uh, Golf Magazine Top Teacher Summit, and uh, if we put a uh, if we put a swing up on the screen, um, everybody there would have uh, uh, their point of view, which is fine. But there's really only one common denominator, and that common denominator is. Every coach wants somebody to learn and, and make progress. So that uh, I spent uh, I spent 90 hours of classes at uh, Harvard. Um, Harvard has a uh, their Graduate School of Education has an institute that's uh, called uh, Learning with the Brain and Mind Institute, and how uh, how the brain. Uh, is actually doing it before we do it, whatever it is, speak or move, and uh, that we're actually we're actually coaching the student's brain. Um, we're not putting, we're not driving the car. Our memory is, and uh, some ways information is shared, uh, embellishes learning, and some way information is shared, uh, suppresses learning. I think a, a pretty recognizable example would be a 30 handicapper. Uh, in a learning environment, a 30 handicapper has nothing wrong with their swing. They just have things that aren't developed yet. There's nothing to fix. If I drop a glass of water, I've done everything perfect to drop the glass of water. I haven't done anything wrong. Uh, when people are hitting shots they don't like, they've done everything perfect to hit that shot. So that was a big, I think that's a big transition for students to understand that they have, uh, there's nothing to fix. There's opportunities there to develop. And the way you go about that is either brain compatible or it's not. So it was a big paradigm shift for me. And uh, What does brain compatible mean? Brain compatible means <clears throat> that the way the brain registers information it accepts the information and doesn't set it aside. Uh, it has to make sense and have meaning. 
one of the rules of learning is it has to make sense and have meaning for it to be encoded and travel past short-term memory and move into long-term memory. Um, that's why metaphors and stories are very important when you coach or share information. Uh, if I was in business, I would say, you know the contract we had last year? Well, this one's gonna be about the same. Um, if you're tossing a set of keys, that may be similar to feeling your putting stroke. You always try to sh present what you're sharing with people based on a past experience. There really is no new learning. New learning doesn't exist. If when information comes in, it's attached to something we previously know. It doesn't even have to be from the same topic, but it just has to be similar. And when it's attached to something we already know, it makes sense. We've all said to people, um, could you please repeat that? I, I didn't quite understand it. And the reason we said that is the way it was shared or what was shared didn't make sense to us. It didn't attach to anything we already know. But when the information attaches to what we already know, oh, the greens today are kind of the same as yesterday, or the greens today are not quite as fast as yesterday. That's the way you have to share information if you wanted to move on to learning. One of the things I've uh, come up with is better doesn't exist. Um, if you miss a putt, if you're on the range practicing putting and you miss the putt and you make the next one, it was different. It wasn't better. It was shorter. It was longer. It was left. It's right. And that unworkable, I used, <clears throat> I used to call them unwanted outcomes, but learning is based on past experiences that didn't work. And when the putt missed, it really told us what to do different the next time. So it's a different way of looking at it, but it's true. Better really doesn't exist. It's a different sweater. It's a different feel. And the brain needs information that it can relate to going forward. So I'm not standing on the tee trying to be better. I'm standing on the tee trying to be different. Um, I might have somebody flip the club past their wrists if that was one of the things that were showing up in their golf swing. And I will have them practice that. Now I'll say, let's see, do it different. And that's the way they become their own best teacher. Um, what I try to do with folks is get them to understand some things or change their insights. I'm not necessarily trying to uh, change a habit. Habits can't be changed. Um, there's a lot of research on that. Uh, you want to hire a new employee. Um, sometimes the uh, the habits like a uh, the boss's son. It can't be fired. But uh, I don't think Jack Nicholas has a new bad habit. He probably has the same tendency he had when he was youngster, or me, or anybody listening to this. So you don't work on fixing something. You don't work on what's wrong. You work on what to do different. You work in a positive way. So we, we've talked a lot about this idea of um, learning is found in the errors a lot of times and in the difficulty and the challenge. And, and you just talked about that with a little bit of different terminology. Um, 
how do you get someone to go from, or how do you help someone understand to go from this idea of avoiding um, the mistakes or just seeing mistakes as mistakes and something to be avoided from something that there's learning in there? It's a pretty, uh, I think, a pretty straightforward example. If I burn a pie, can I fix it? No. If I miss a putt, can I fix it? No. No, it's over. That's over. If you shot 80, it's 80 separate situation. If you shot 100, it's a 100 separate situation. If you shot 70, it's 70 separate situations. One of the things I try to share with people is they want, they bring up the topic of a consistent golf swing. Uh, I will ask them, are the greatest companies, are the most successful companies consistent? And they tend to want to say yes. I say, no, they're not. Nothing is consistent. What happens is the best companies and the best performers handle inconsistency better than their competitors. A champion is not consistent. He has bad holes, good holes, et cetera, et cetera. And the champions and the great companies adjust to the inconsistency of the day or the year better than their competitors. You don't want a consistent golf swing because every shot is different, every environment is different. You want a flexible and portable way of presenting your technique, being able to adjust it. Great players, there's always many shots in the round of golf they don't care for, but they adjust to it. Tigers, absolutely the best at that, and Jack Nicklaus. They adjusted better than anybody else. When I got to spend time with Mr. Hogan, he suggested to me that his strength was not his golf swing, but if he had caddied for somebody that won a tournament, they would have won by five or six more shots. That his strength was his management of the round of golf. If he was warming up and the ball was going a little left, that's what he paid for. If it was going a little right, that's what he paid for. That it was management, his management skills. And uh, it was very interesting for him to hear me, for me to hear him say that. Yeah, I, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, "We're looking to build durable and flexible skills." Yeah, I think it just sums it up. Like, you know, flexible and portable skills is, yeah. is what you need. Is uh, whether you're raising children or running a company or playing golf, uh, everything is based on emotions. Um, well, and so one of the core beliefs that, that I have, and I just am curious if you're saying, is that golf is a problem-solving activity. Absolutely. And we yeah. have to, like, and are the, you a good problem-solver or are you bad? And the model, there's only one swing model, and that's the golf course. The golf course is telling me it's an 8-iron. The golf course is telling me to hit it low. The golf course is telling me to hit it left to right. And it's not somebody else's golf swing. It's everything works backwards from the environment. Every company works backwards from the company needs. The golf course is talking to golfers when you move at it from my perspective. The golf course is saying, let's hit it left to right off this tee, et cetera, et cetera. And to take in the environment and adjust to the environment is what great champions do. They're not trying to outmaneuver the golf course. The other thing I talk about is that uh, every... Every shot we have has no past or has no beginning. Um, it's just in the now. You have to play from, there's a great book called Point A, Golf from Point A by um, a great teacher, Susan Myers. And it's a different way of saying one shot at a time. Each, each shot 
has its own place. Each is a separate apple pie you're baking. It has no past. It has no future. If you're thinking about the past, you won't be in the present. If you're thinking about the future, you won't be a present. You can't control the golf ball. You can only control yourself. If we could control the golf ball, every player on tour would be hitting every green and every fairway. That's an absolute wrong way of thinking about it. Before the swing, you, you make your plan, then you go up and you swing, and you take what it gives you. It might be right down the fairway, it might be to the left of the right. But standing there thinking you can control the outcome is not possible. Well, I think, you know, you talked about the golf course dictates the shot, and you think about Tiger, and you think about his game over the years of, um, was it Hoylake, where it was all burned out, and he just hit, four, like, irons, right? And then you think of him at Augusta, you think of him anywhere else, and, and like, you know, if you watched him play, you'd think this is, you know, this is a different golfer, right? And so there's there's a level of skill there that's highly flexible and highly portable. Well, we, we play golf. We don't play golf swing. Players win tournaments, not golf swings. One of the, uh, there's about 60 million golfers in the world. Maybe a million prof professional players. That might be ambitious, but it's, it, it might be close. Several hundred thousand people play professionally all over the world. Most of those men will, and women will never win a golf tournament. People who win or people who perform best are different. If an accomplished player had a very good front nine and they didn't really care for their back nine and they're starting worried about their golf swing, I it's the wrong approach. It's not their golf swing. They've been a great golfer for a number of years. They just played nine good holes. So something happened inside them emotionally or whatever for the shot to not come off. And if you're working with a player and they hit several good shots and then they hit a poor one, I might say, well, why do you think that happened? Well, this happened. And I said, no, it happened because you're human. And it can't be the same every time. There's nothing to fix. Just go back to whatever you were trying to do. It's interesting to me when these accomplished players have a bad week, they go home to work on their golf swing. That doesn't make sense to me. It wasn't their golf swing. They were an emotionally in a different place than they normally are. Everything's based on emotions and your, um, the insights and the way you're thinking. Everything's, everything we do is organized in the brain first. So you want to present it in a way that's positive, not negative. There's nothing to fix. Fixing is negative. There's things to develop. I'll sometimes say to somebody, how old are you when you get out of college? 21, 22. When did you really get good at something? Maybe by the time I was 40. So 20 years to get really good at something you did 40, 50 hours a week. And you're giving yourself a hard time. You play on the weekends. So it's just part of the process. And in a learning environment, you take what the game is giving you and you don't try to fix anything. You just go back to what you're trying to do and never think about how to do it. Uh, if you toss something on your desk or you toss something under your desk, you wouldn't think how to do it. You would just do it. And I make a big deal out of that we didn't learn to cut a stake. We didn't learn to steer a car. We didn't learn to paint a wall. We learned the rules of the knife, of the paintbrush, of the buckle, of the steering wheel. So learn the rules of the golf club. The golf club 
realize what the golf club does depends on the shot you want to hit. So I, I talk about one, two, three, four. First one, first one is past experiences. Look at the course. The course tells you what shot to hit, and then you pick the club and what to do with the club. Somebody with a lot of experience may see the golf course different than somebody with a little experience. But everything works backwards from past experiences. What it felt like to do something, how you accomplish something. And the brain is always retrieving past experiences to lead us to the next step. Brilliant. So we've, we've talked about the importance of, of learning differently. Give us some like real like tactics or strategies or things we can go do. How do you help people build those flexible and portable skills? By first getting them to understand it's going to be inconsistent. In putting, for instance, if somebody was practicing putting to a hole, I would ask them to turn around and look at the edge of the green. The edge of the green normally is some sort of a curve. So there might be 75 putts there. You putt to this edge, you putt to that edge. I might ask somebody to putt the ball past the hole, putt the ball short of the hole. So the brain knows the feel of long and short, now putt it to the middle. With their golf clubs, make the ball go left, make the ball go right, make it go straight. Now hit it short, now hit it long. Develop an inventory similar to going on a basketball court. If you went on a basketball court by yourself, the ball would rebound to a different place every time. You wouldn't be standing in the same place over and over again, which some golfers do. When you go to build your game, I don't want people to practice. I want them to train. A doctor has a practice. A lawyer has a practice after they train. If you go down to train what you're going to put into practice on the golf course, when you're down there training, you're going to be less difficult on yourself. You're going to be in an accepting mode for yourself. You're going to accept what goes on. If you go down to practice, practicing and applying, training is, <coughs> uh, you go, when you go down to train, you're developing. And you're always developing your skills in a training mindset. I like to say everything works backwards from mindset. Mindsets before skill sets. What you're thinking about, what you're feeling emotionally, allows the performance to happen. So you're going to get people to start training versus practicing, or mindsets before skill sets. Um, when someone is training in, in that manner, where you've got all these different kind of shots you're doing, you're kind of doing this differential learning, right? Short, long, in the middle to try to get them new experiences. Um, what kind of what kind of mindsets do you want them to have during that, or what kind accept of emotions it. do you Whatever want them to happens, go through? Whatever happens, accept it and learn from it, whether it's good. Or, I often tell somebody, I, I am not your teacher, I'm your coach. That shot was your teacher. No teacher knows what you're feeling, and no teacher knows exactly what you did. Because we have golf vocabulary, we could try to explain it, but we really do not know. The other, some other coaches don't like me to say this, but we really don't know how you did it, so you do remember it. It's your deal, it's your game, and I want you to be aware of that's your teacher. 
The shot's your teacher. I'm just your coach. Shots your teacher, you're just the coach. I like that. So view each shot in this. I mean, it fits so well with this idea that, that golf's a problem-solving sport. Like you view the shot as the the teacher, and then reflect on that. And that was what kind of happened. I mean, that's a really interesting. It's a really interesting approach. Do you just take that during training, or do you take that um, to performance as well? Oh, like when you're trying to absolutely to perform. Where you you stand behind the shot. I think Chuck Hogan was the first to come up with this idea, and then Lynn Marriott and Pia Nielsen do it. Uh, Chuck called it a thought box. Um, so you stand behind the shot, you decide it's an eight iron, and you decide you, what you want to do. And then when you go up to play, you're in your play box, um, and you just play. It's a, a little bit like if you're running a business and you had a meeting before the doors opened, so you have your meeting before the doors open. Then when the doors open, anything could happen. Yeah. And it's completely out of your control, so you need flexible and portable skills to adapt to the ever-changing environment of that business or the golf course. The golf course is always changing. Uh, and I make a big deal out of uh, swinging the weight of the club with a sense of balance. And uh, I'm not very much of a technical coach, to the student, I may have some technical things going on in my head, and then I try to transcend them into an everyday experience. Um, for instance, uh, you when you go bowling, does the ball stop in your backswing exactly where you put it, or does it drift a little bit? Well, it drifts a little bit. Well, that would try to get people to understand that part of their backswing is momentum and freedom. Um, if uh, if I throw a football, why is my wrist cocked? Well, for leverage, yes, but the reason it's cocked is because the football weighs something. So the golf club weighs something, and some of the angles that happen in golf are just because we're swinging the weight of the club. So my whole approach is a learning approach based on how we learn, which is based on creating examples that they've already experienced. You have to create it to something they are familiar with mm. for it to work. So if someone's listening to this and, and they're thinking about their current state of practice um, and they've kind of heard what you said about training, what would be some of the, the check boxes they want to make sure that they include during their training to make sure it's most effective? Like what are some of the characteristics that you want people to be doing when they think about their practice? Well, I want them to uh, hopefully, uh, number one, I don't call it a lesson. It's a session. The lesson is what people take away. When the kids leave school the end of June, what they're taking away is the lesson, not what they went on for six months. That's just perking up their own. So, you know, what they take away. And when they're, when they're playing in training, to accept without self-criticism. And I tend to coach the club. Um, the club has three employees. It has a, a, a shaft, a head, and a face. And where do I want those three employees at impact? It depends on the golf course, not some description of the golf swing. So they're always paying attention to, did you swing that club or did you hit the ball? When I coach, we're not learning to hit golf balls. We're learning what to do with the golf club. You're learning what to do with the stick. 
Uh, if I drop a basketball and it comes straight up, did the floor move it or compress it? Well, no, it didn't move it. It compressed it. Okay, so we're learning to compress the ball, and it goes in the direction, starting direction where the face is. And the golf club, the golf club is swinging in its circle. Croquet is a vertical game because the stick is vertical. Pool is a horizontal game because the table's flat. And golf is a game played on a roof of a house or an inclined plane because of the design of the club. Everything happens because of the design of the golf club. The golf club is built with the handle slightly in front of the face. And the, the face, the reason putters don't go up is because of the angle. Everything is responsible for the golf club. Michael, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Okay. It's been fun. It's always good to chat with you. Okay. Thank you, sir. Stay in touch. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Golf Science Lab podcast. It was great to have you join us for this episode. We have episodes coming out on a weekly basis. You should subscribe if you're listening to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're at. We are there. You know what would be really, really awesome is if you enjoyed this, it would be to leave a review. That helps more people find the podcast. This helps us grow um, faster so we can create more content for you and help educate you on really what's going on in this world of golf improvement from tour pros to instructors to leading companies. Um, make sure to do that. It would be much appreciated. My name was Cordy Walker. Thank you so much for joining us on this program. This episode was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions.